Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and world. Let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Dr. Johnson. You were mentioning a very special woman involved in Bible translation. And I wondered if you could speak just a bit about her work. That would be her work in the Amplified Bible, Frances Seward. Yes, Frances Seward. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't. I, I hope I'm not mis- mispronouncing her name. I, um, I, I didn't go in for a check on that. But she, she was an amazing woman. Uh, about the same time as. Um, you know, heroes, heroes of mine and yours, people like Pandita Ramabai uh, and Catherine Bushnell. She was, um, you know, very uh, an amazing woman from the early 20th century, born in uh, 1881 or thereabouts. And, um, and Francis Seward. Francis Seward. Yes, yes. Okay. She uh, she died in uh, in 1967. And um, uh, dear, uh, she got, you know, um, um, uh, master's, BD, DLED. So very, very profound thinker and uh, theologian um, um, uh, with Lock- Lockheed Foundation. She was instrumental in, um, in, in coming up with this amazing translation Uh, of the Bible called the Amplified Bible. And uh, if we look at the words that that have been chosen there carefully, we're able to see Francis Seward's hand. Uh, I mean, she worked with, uh, you know, everyone else was um, um, a male theologian, a white uh, man who was an Old Testament scholar and a New Testament scholar, and she held her own and she said, well, here are the range of words. And she provided words there that are so pertinent to understanding the place of the woman in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. I wish more was written about her. You know, these are uh, women um, on whose shoulders uh you know, Mimi, both you and I stand on, CBE stands on the shoulders of amazing women of God like Frances Seward. Now, she was, did she initiate the Amplified Bible team or was she just uh, the first woman to be part of it? She initiated it. And tell us about that history a little bit. Um, she uh, initiated the project, got the team together, and uh, was essentially the force behind, um, you know, talking about why is amplification important. Amplification is important because people look at one word and they have their own preconceived notions as to what does this word mean in English. And she said, no, we have to give the people, the freedom of choice to look at a range of words. And obviously, you know, they had to come up with a range like three to five words, seven words, perhaps, depending on what, uh, how pertinent it was to understanding 
the range of meanings. But she made sure that people understood that, you know, this is pertinent to understanding mm-hmm. who a woman is and how it impacts the lives of women. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at those words very carefully, you come to realize that this does make a difference. If I'm reading this Bible, Amplified Bible with my daughter uh, or with, an, with, a, with a, uh, um, a Sunday school um um, st- a group of students, especially girl students, and I'm able to point out, look, this word means this also, and and take that very seriously. So, I think the Amplified Bible is a, a good Bible. I am also of the opinion that uh, later um, versions of the Amplified Bible. Um, they did not contain those original words that Frances Seward herself uh, put into the Amplified Bible. Okay. Now, where was she born? And tell us a little bit about her early history and why you think she ended up with this vision, God gave her this vision. That is something that I'm working on, Mimi. I want to find out some more. I've I've gone into... um, you know, come up at dead ends because I I want to get more correspondences, letters that she wrote and, you know, how she was. Um, essentially, she had to um, fight her own battles to become the main person behind the Amplified Bible. So those are things that I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thinking aloud here. Okay, great. Well, often it's historic work that we fill in some of the blanks, and that's just fine. Uh, In looking at the work that the uh, Old Testament team has done, I'm sure our listeners are very much on the edge of their seats to hear where you think our work has been most uh, powerful, perhaps Because I know the Old Testament team is now working on commentary. They finished their difficult work. It sounds like over time, over the years that you've been involved, the team has become very acquainted with one another, almost like a marching band. You don't need to know where all the instruments are. You're just sort of one thing, a marching band, instead of five people going in different ways. And that's a real testimony to your achievement. Where do you feel like the work has been really straight? It's all been straight from God, but where do you see the most power, can I say, or the most insight or where you feel the greatest impact will be if there is such a, if there is these few places? Well, uh, you know, one of the things we have talked about in our previous um, uh, podcast, our discussion together, is the idea of the woman being presented as a powerful person. Um, Eshtakail is the word that's used in uh, Proverbs chapter 31 um, and uh, verse 10. And very interestingly, the... um, the, the most ancient um, uh, collections of the Bible as they were canonized, as the books of the Bible were canonized, uh, the books that follow Proverbs chapter 31, uh, the book of Job. So it's, it's in our Bible, the book of Job comes before the book of Psalms, and we miss the whole 
uh, centrality of Job's wife. But even when you find it right after the book of Proverbs, you say, I'm going to pay careful attention to, to Job and the story of Job, and especially uh, Mrs. Job, um, mm. because she's the one who was there at the end, held on to uh, to Job and all his travails, and she's the one who then becomes the mother of um, of seven boys and and three girls, and and we don't even know what the names of the the boys are, but we know the names of the girls, mm. and that's important. Mm. The Book of Job wants to underline that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is followed by uh, the Book of Song of Songs, uh, and Song of Songs, the hero there is is not Solomon. The hero there is Shulamit. It's the woman who is uh, a shepherdess who's gone through so much pains. But in that love series of love songs, you see the strength of um, uh, the Shulamit uh, coming through. Um, and that in the Hebrew Bible is followed by the book of Lamentations. And, and that is uh, the, the woman, Jerusalem, that's travailing, that's in sorrow. And from that travail and that sorrow uh, comes beautiful songs which provide healing. Mm. And then that is followed by the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, Ruth herself is twice um, mentioned as the Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, in chapter 3, Boaz acknowledges, he says, everyone knows that you're the Proverbs 31 woman. Mm. And the women in chapter 4 sing to say, may glory be to God because we have seen this Eshet Kail and may you be blessed. So she's Proverbs 31 woman. She's a foreigner who has been abused by so many people, and yet she overcomes that to become the Proverbs 31 woman. So it's fascinating. Esther is uh, another book that comes after that, and there Esther, who's a foreigner in a foreign land, is portrayed as the Proverbs 31 woman, a strong woman who, um, who overcomes so much to become such an amazing example of an Eshet Kail. So mm. that's mm. the story of the Bible. Right. And it, it does remind me of the many cultures where in countries or regions of the world where there has been great suffering. Those are the places where you find some of the most beautiful literature. Uh, the brothers Karamazov, uh, Tolstoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. these things are birthed in crucibles, in absolute crucibles. And, the, and I think what you're pointing to is that suffering, while those of us in the West shun suffering and we see it as a curse from God, it really is a place where the gold is refined. 
CBE International presents Women in Scripture and Mission. As a childless but faithful elderly woman, God blessed Elizabeth with her son, John the Baptist. During her pregnancy, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With the prophetic word, she identified Mary as the mother of her Lord. This is extraordinary when we remember that the disciples struggled to recognize Jesus, even with signs and wonders. Learn more at ministrywomen.org. That's ministrywomen.org. I'm going to be t- teaching um, uh, a group of women in uh, in Turkey. These are Afghan women mm. who are training to be pastors. And as we engage with the Psalms, um, you should see how they interpret those Psalms. Mm-hmm. So fascinating because these young women, they're all the way from 19 years old to maybe around 25, 26. So these are young women. But they have done. They have seen so much suffering, and out of that comes such meaningful interpretation, of especially the Psalms of Lament. Can you give uh, us an example? Well, uh, the example that uh, that we also grappled with in um, in um, in in our translation process with Psalm 22. So. Of course, the Christian church will say, oh, Jesus at the cross, he had seven last words. And one of those was, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And we say, well, Jesus was it uh, just, he, 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 there was a disruption of the relationship between the father and the son. And that's why Jesus in pain cried out those words. Well, what we don't realize is that Jesus was singing all of Psalm 22 and 23, which is a psalm of hope. And the verse that we dealt with, uh, for one, we, we, we came to the realization that this is not a cry of despair. This is not a question, but this is a statement that God will never forsake those people that are in suffering. And then Psalm 9 and 10 is what we translated. Where here's, here's our translation. You are the one who drew me from the womb. You made me safe at my mother's breast. Verse 10. Upon you I was cast from my birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. So you have God being portrayed both as the father, but more importantly, as the mother. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is what Jesus was singing. And the picture that I have is, of course, all the disciples, they all ran away, right? Who was there? It was all the Marys. were singing with him when he was singing Psalm 22 and 23 on the cross. Mm. I hope that goes into the notes. I Yes, they will. They will. Oh, it's just, I can weep. It's gorgeous and so like God. Yeah. Yes. yes. But, yeah. So, Boaz, um, the CBE uh, Bible Translation team has been made strong through its 
mixture of cultures, men and women, different ages and faith traditions and nationalities. And as you come together and learn to hear from one another, respect each other, do you believe uh, the team's diversity has had an impact on your translation work? And if so, I, I know there are so many experiences you've had in over four years, but maybe you could think of one or two to give us some insights. There have been so, this has been such a beautiful experience and a powerful experience, Mimi. And again, I want to thank you for um, enabling me to be a part of this. Um, it has been especially good to just listen to the voices of my sisters, my Korean sisters, Korean American sisters, African sisters, my white sisters, my Indian sister, Havila. She's just an amazing woman of God. And it's been that space in which um, those of us who are men, uh, even our African colleagues who are men, will just quietly listen to the voices of our sisters. And that's what's made this process so beautiful and so powerful. I wish this has been this had been the case in all of the Bible Bible translation committees. Unfortunately, that's not been the case, but I'm so thankful for this experience. Oh, wonderful. Um how is it that uh your listeners here could partner with you? In in what ways do you see those who are listening on? sharing in this work at a distance, even without really talking with you? I think in so many ways, one is, you know, once this product comes out, which will be a translation of these key verses with translations, um, we would hope that this would be used in churches mm -hmm. uh, intergenerationally where, um, uh, you know, um, uh, little girls will be influenced by the words and they would say that this is the Jesus I want to follow. This mm -hmm. is the God I want to follow. And, and, and that would enthuse others uh, to, um, to, to teach young people to understand who the God of the Bible is and how mm -hmm. issues regarding women are so important. Mm -hmm. I would hope that those women who have experienced pain in the church would take up this um, this work that is going to come out shortly. Um, women of the Church Two movement would say, "I wish I had this, but I want to pass it on to the next generation." So my hope is that this would be something that would truly invigorate the church um, in the times to come and. And it becomes just a starting point of more um, uh, Bible translations like this that would come about in the near future. What wonderful vision you shared with us. I'm just curious why it's taken humans so long to come up with a translation team and project like ours. It's, it just seems it's just come along so late, really. I agree with you, and I want to thank uh, you know um, CBE 
international. Mm -hmm. I'm going to thank you for your vision, Mimi, because um, yes, it has come about really late in history. But there's two things we need to understand that we do stand and stand upon the shoulders of strong women who have gone on before us. Mm -hmm. uh, people like um, um, uh, Kate Bushnell, Pandita Ramabai, and Frances Seward, and all these amazing women that uh, that CB he has talked about in Priscilla Papers and all of our publications. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm thankful that it's happening now. So thank you for this vision, for this courageous vision. Well, thank you. And I invite all of our listeners to pass this uh, link on to your friends, encourage many people to hear about the important translation decisions we are making, the team is making, and how you can be a part of it through your prayers, your generosity, and your partnership in getting the word out. So um, pray for the team and let us know um, how we can pray for you. And thank you so much, Boaz, for your time, both in November and December, as we release these podcasts to the world. And I just can't thank you enough for the many ways that you've been absolutely strategic in this work that you have been a good listener and yet participated when you knew the Lord had something for you to say. And um, just pray for you as you work in Afghanistan and India and wherever the Lord calls you. It seems like you're on airplanes more than you are in your own car. <laughs> and so God bless you and thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. And may he use you more and more. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory or of its authorities or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers.